I like it. Okay. My eyes are gonna dry out. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I was asking. <laughs> um, okay. Welcome back. Here we are, episode 10. Yep. Um, and we're just gonna start. Alright. Because nobody has time for our for shenanigans. That. Yes. By nobody, I mean Jacob. Yes. Um, He's a faceless man. <laughs> maybe someday. Yeah. It's like um, He's no one. how I met your mother. <laughs> we can like, like be revealed at the end. Um, anywho, so we mentioned before that you had read the book about digital minimalism, yep. which is trendy right now. And I haven't read it yet. I ordered it, but... I listened to a podcast and he was talking about some of the concepts so we can talk about some of those things okay. especially if it sounds like it's a really dense like thing we could discuss over a long period of time so yeah. anyways there's a few things that I thought were interesting right um, so he mentioned um, well, I'm calling it digital junk food which I think is the term he used so he feels like that um, social media is like Doritos. You know, it's it's the it's not substantial. It's not great for you. It, yeah. It's not good in excess. It's not yeah. really giving you anything. The return. You have a little bit. You want more. Yes, exactly. And the sort of addictive quality is yep. a lot similar. Um, and. Also, I didn't realize his background was he's a computer science. Uh, he's like a theoretical computer scientist or something. I don't know. He actually. has a, he's a computer background, but yeah. it's theory based. Okay. And he was saying that, so he's never had a social media account, the author. And he's saying that um, part of the reason is that he really needs his mind to be like, high functioning all day that's yeah. like important for his job that he's thinking clearly yeah. and well. well yeah he is the author of deep work so that right. makes sense it's all right and about. so he knew just for himself that he couldn't afford to like eat this junk food you know his mind couldn't afford the well yeah it's like I don't know, there's some there's a criticism I've heard about him where he's like kind of a um, what's the word holier than thou about like self-righteous self-righteous yeah like that oh like I'm so great because I've never used social media and he had like realized that social media would be like that even though in the book he kind of calls out that social media was fine before the invention of the like button on Facebook right I think you talked about that before yeah. um, I think you know, I think the thing about social media is I've also had like a pretty low profile on social media. I haven't had a Facebook in several years. Um, I only recently looked, um, started Twitter and even YouTube. I haven't really been using YouTube except for the past maybe year and a half. Um, so I think it's like everything else where you could create a moderate lifestyle around it um, and you could sort of gauge the right amount for yourself but 
I think his argument is that there are better ways to spend your time. Um, of course, like sure. you could talk about anything like that. Um, but there are do also, I mean, there do seem to be benefits to being plugged in. Um, sure. And I don't know if in the book he explains like approaches to take to to make it more like productive for yourself. Yeah. So some of the things um, that they talk about are strategies to make it work. And one of the strategies would be like actually bookmarking the page on social media that you actually use like something like going directly to your messages and just like bypassing the login screen and then it takes you to this news feed and then the news feed's distracting so it's like just going to the utility that you actually need i see um so instead of just like scrolling through the feed yeah because that has, serves no purpose for you other than to get distracted mm. if you have like a very specific function that you want to mm -hmm. use it for so that's one thing. Another thing he talks about is um, some people just like time box sure. it and say, you know, I don't need to be on Facebook every day, but I'll, I can give myself this two hour block where I allow myself to use it mm -hmm. on Saturday. So. Right. I think people, well, and then you have to question like why you're, using it in the first place um i i believe what he said in the interview was the difference between uh creation and consumption they were talking about that like are you creating something and adding to the platform are you you know promoting or contributing your own ideas or are you just like kind of in a numb way absorbing information randomly right. like in the news feeds um, sure. which i thought was a good distinction um and of course there's just the broader problem of being out of balance in a lot of ways and that social media kind of fills a lot of different gaps for people i think uh, one thing they talked about was uh, the importance of solitude yeah and that solitude i i think he defines it like solitude is not about being alone but it's about not taking in other people's thoughts or experiences right you're sitting with your own mind you're not um like reading a book or listening to a podcast or whatever you're not absorbing other people's right data so you could be in a coffee shop with people but sort of in your own head and thinking and that's still considered solitude sure um so he's saying that another thing that we're missing is that we're taking in a lot and then people are not allocating time for their brain to sort of absorb and process things yep so that's the function of the solitude is that it it kind of lets your mind do that thing where it it's kind of wandering and yeah. then it can come to interesting conclusions or you can have creative ideas or whatever because you're giving yourself space internally right yeah i, I like that aspect of it just 
it's important to think it's important to process everything that's happened instead of just like constantly being plugged in and, mm-hmm. uh, he talks in the book about the um like when the ipod came along it was like that was the first time you could just be completely unplugged or plugged in no matter where no you matter were. what and yeah just like basically shut your brain off and just constantly be consuming right so you're just consuming information whether it's a game or you're actually like reading a like article from the atlantic or something it doesn't matter i think he's not distinguishing quality necessarily it's also just the process of absorbing too much right um the other thing they mentioned was multitasking very briefly they may talk about it more in the book but um there is research that shows that um, when you switch tasks too rapidly that there's a loss in quality where you jump back and forth because when you come back there's this like residue from what you were just doing that interferes with your ability to refocus and that it's people aren't actually multitasking they're just like quickly bouncing back and forth sure because you can't literally multitask right like right. your brain is picking one thing at a time so I guess he's also advocating for that just like building time for more focused yeah there's um, a thing he probably talks about more in deep work um, but I've heard about it in the like agile framework of the how interruptions are so distracting that it like the average interruption it takes you 17 minutes to get right. back on track right so there's that right so i think what he was saying was when he was writing deep work he realized that people were also giving him feedback that um things like that were being were affecting them in their personal lives as well and i think that's what led to him exploring what happens outside of work with this digital right. clutter. Right. I feel like I manage it better outside of work than at work. There's just like all these mm-hmm. notifications and it's like, well, I kind of need to be more plugged in just in case someone needs me. Right. That's sort of thing. And you only have so much control in a work environment. Like if you're not, even if you are in charge of a company, I don't know, like, I don't, and I haven't read Deep Work. I'm sure he talks about recommendations for things you can do, but um, I don't know how much you can really mitigate those things and still be like a competitive organization. Because um, yeah. there's just like a practical side. Right. Part of the job is to be available. It's like right. to have these conversations. Like, it's important to get the answers that you need quickly. Right. And you just like, and at least the job I have, there's a lot of like variables that happen spontaneously that are totally unpredictable. And you just have to stop what you're doing to like deal with something and then come back, you know, because everybody has like layers of work they're doing long-term project, short-term immediate. So, 
I think there are ways to make it simple, like, but I, I think my feeling about the digital minimalism is like not necessarily what I can do at work because I feel like there's only so much you can do, but it's like, how do I, how do I handle it when I go home? You know, or how do I handle it on my time off? Right. Because there's not a lot of time if you're sleeping a third of your life and then like the other like body maintenance things like eating and hygiene is sure. another whatever 15 20 percent or something yeah. and, and you've got to commute right so it's like 50 percent of your time is just like keeping your body alive <laughs> yeah you know so have you done any of the things with digital minimalism? Yeah, um, I like it quite a bit. So um, let's see. I have taken most third party like application, like chat applications off my phone, like Facebook Messenger and Slack. Mm. I've taken off my phone. I've removed Gmail from my phone. Um, and then let's see, other applications like social media apps, so Facebook and LinkedIn, I've taken off my phone as well. Um, and I think the main thing for me with those has been just like oh, getting rid of this distracting thing I can do when I'm slightly uncomfortable. It's like, oh yeah, I'm sitting by myself, huh? I'm bored, <laughs> and so there's this urge to just pull out my phone oh there's entertainment mm -hmm. um, yeah I've removed Chrome as a browser from my phone too and that's cut back on my browsing like that urge to Google something when I don't know the answer maybe it's fine to not know the answer and just wonder and then oh it actually isn't worth it like sometimes you Google something and it leads down a rabbit hole or you don't find the answer and it's just like oh I just wasted a couple of minutes I could have just let it go and mm. let my mind go to the next thing it's not that important mm. sometimes I will assign a task on my google calendar in the future well where I will say like look into this idea yeah you know I'll yeah, I like that. I like that you're organized about it. It's like you schedule Googling time. <laughs> I do. That's awesome. And I kind of think that's what he's getting at mm -hmm. is that um, like if there's a game you want to play that's totally frivolous, right? Like it's sure. just, just a straight up app game. Um, I think it's okay. And maybe people would feel less compulsive if they knew that they had already carved out time for it. Because I'm wondering if people just feel like, I, I don't know, if, if like a, a structure like that would benefit people because they would know that it there's a place for it. It's going to happen. I don't have to like feel deprived or something. Whatever yeah, that right, feeling right. is. Yeah, scheduling it. I've noticed that with food. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, it's nice to like budget. It's like, okay, 
I'm just gonna plan in advance. Yeah, this week I'm gonna meet up with a friend and we're gonna get a donut and coffee and right. it's gonna be great. Right. And then you do it and you stick to your plan and it's great. Um, right. So yeah, there's like benefits to scheduling yourself to be like productive, so to speak. And then you schedule unproductive time. I think so. I just think that's the most realistic. Yeah. Like and, and I like I think the thing I struggle with with that is like there's also just unplanned, unproductive time. Sure. And like figuring out how you swing that. And same same thing with food. It's like, yeah, I feel like there's just times where I'm just gonna hate the plan so much that I need to do something differently and then mm. making the least bad decision I can mm. in those situations. Yeah, and I think what, like my understanding of the research in general, whether it's food or probably other things, is like people that are documenting their reality in some way, whether, you know, mm -hmm. if you're recording your food or your weight or your yeah. whatever, um, and I would assume it could apply to like, what I'm talking about, like blocking out activities and scheduling time in different ways. I think those people tend to sustain better habits over time. Yep. Because I think the reality and the acknowledgement and the awareness is allows you to make realistic decisions, I guess. Yeah, it cultivates a sense of awareness for right. sure. So if you can see your weight is increasing you might be more likely to intervene mm -hmm. after five pounds instead of waiting till it's like 20, I, right. I guess, right. is the idea. Um, but it just like, it all goes back to like mindfulness and awareness, which I think is hard. It's just like a hard lifestyle to in this culture. Sure. Because of the emphasis on things like the social media like making you feel like you're missing out if you're right. not doing this thing yeah i wonder about um what this author's like habits are so have you listened to much jim gaffigan yeah have you heard about his thing on like McDonald's? It's like everyone has their own McDonald's. Yes. So I want to know what uh, what his McDonald's is. What's like it, he's uh, just for like the critical people out there that are like, oh, yeah, he's just really self-righteous about this. And I'm like, he's probably got his own McDonald's. He's got his own like terrible habits. Sure. And I mean, he may not have like a naturally addictive personality. So maybe things like social media don't, it's not hard for him not to have social media. Um, and maybe he has like a strong like network or something where he just doesn't feel yeah. like he's left out of something by not being plugged in. But absolutely like, yeah, everybody has some thing, which yeah. is why I think it makes sense to budget time for it. Right. So I'm just distracting myself with different comedic you, references. Okay. Um, I reminded myself of like the Margaritaville South Park episode mm -hmm. where uh, 
it's around like the 2008-2009 recession and uh, people take like these dogmatic views about the economy and you can't upset the economy and uh, Stan's dad has like this very rigid thing it's like you can't buy anything don't buy anything Mm -hmm. and then he has like this one exception of his Margaritaville machine that makes margaritas for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like everyone's got their own thing that <laughs> sure. like shows their hypocrisy. Sure. And... Or is like an exemption to their own rule. Right, right. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe he talks about that somewhere. Oh, yeah. And then in that episode. But it's great because Stan tries to return it and gets like <laughs> the biggest run around. It's amazing. So that was all I was thinking about with digital multitasking or digital minimalism. Yeah. Um, did you have That's any cool. other thoughts? I, I think between this and last episode, it's a pretty good covering of it. I think it's important. I feel like our it's might be like the best book I've read in like a year or something. I think yeah. it's like it's just so relevant to today. Sure. Um, so my plan is to read the book and then I thought we could just keep talking about things sure as I read through it sure sounds good um, um, yeah I guess takeaways from my um, digital minimalism of like putting that in action um, I've last week I got my screen time screen time down to less than one hour uh, per on day the phone? yeah so I felt good about that i'm still blown away with like how much time it is but i think the majority now it's just like texting and responding to text um it's like oh that just takes time do you have like um like phone anxiety if you if your phone isn't near you like do you a little bit i've tried the exercise he mentions it but like just go do small tasks without your phone Mm -hmm. Um, go like run an errand go down the street you need to pick up something or if you're going to walk the dog or Mm -hmm. uh, things like that just don't bring your phone with you so um, I occasionally do that and it feels nice but I don't have um, I'd I'd say generally yes I have phone anxiety if I'm just walking around Mm -hmm. so Anyway, yeah, it's it's great. I went from like three hours of screen time to less than one. So. Mm. Anyway, um, should we jump to the, the next thing? Do you did you want to talk about the advertising? Yeah, thought so, that you had. So I don't know if there's. Well, I'll say what I want to say sure. and then see where that takes us. Um, I feel like ads are incredibly invasive. So we were talking about YouTube ads mm-hmm. um, and how opposed I am to like us running them because of the just cost of viewers' time. Mm-hmm. 
and the disruption thing that we yeah. just talked about right the it, issue of multitasking and it, interruption yeah it messes up their flow they thought they were going to get this one thing now they're not in the same state that they were before because they've had this ad you know sure throw something in their face so um i feel like if if you're going to throw an ad at someone you should pay them for their time it's you're invading them it's like especially if you're not even expecting it like that's just a disruption to you mm. um so it's just like this rude thing like hey i'm in your face and mm -hmm. you have to deal with me um so it feels like there should be some level of like compensation it's a disruption to like the economy that you have this ad thrown at you like you are not being productive watching that ad so maybe there's like i guess there's the real component of advertising which is like getting the knowledge that this thing exists and there's some power in knowing this exists and you didn't know that before and that could theoretically have a lot of value for you so right. there's you have to work that part out but i I guess I kind of just want to start the conversation with, hey, you're disrupting me and my time's valuable. How about you, like, how about a minimum wage on the distraction time? And I think that would just drastically change the way we have to, have to advertise. What do you think about, like, in a much broader sense, like, billboard print digital like all of it like do you feel like collectively it's all equally invasive or are you thinking just like the digital experience well yeah so i mean okay suppose you agree with me and we should make all these advertisements cost them money like how do you track how invasive a a uh, mm -hmm. billboard ad or like the more traditional ads are like how do you track the reach of that um so that's that's one issue with it um and what was your question again it just like i'm i'm just sort of asking like if you feel like the advertising across the board is all invasive like i think magazine. different ones are more invasive than the others mm -hmm. there's something about like a like, the ads on spotify for um, spotify are like really bad or just any of the ads like when you're listening to music it's like you're trying to get in your groove and then oh. that like it's just so jarring to get oh sure to get an ad there and so that's why so I, I would just pay for, for so normally normally the way to get out of advertising like that is that you pay yeah like a See, subscription right you that pay would, yeah so you're proposing that that the advertisers pay to for the privilege to, to advertise to you. you right and um and maybe it's like 
it's a similar thing where you can pay to opt out of it. It's like, oh yeah, well, my time's worth more than minimum wage, so opt me out of that. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of more of an abstract thought, but like I feel like most advertising, there's so much of it. It's so invasive. It's a drain on the economy rather than a benefit to it. Well, and it, now, like in our lifetime, we've seen like a pretty big shift. Like when they started doing like targeted recommendations on Facebook yeah. based on things you had clicked previously sure. on it, like outside of it, that felt really strange the first time I remember. Oh, just the noticing. like it was so razor targeted. It's like, oh yeah, you yes. click this. It's like you were already searching on this thing. It's like, hey, remember this time you were like researching right. this university for grad school yeah and it could just be one time even yeah and you get um, it a hundred times after that's that. a weird to me that's a weird um it's weird yeah um what? i think well what like what's effective advertising for you like what do you respond to uh i think a lot of it it's i kind of know what i'm looking for most of the time so it's effective like a search engine is great like it makes sense for google to be in the advertising business because people are searching for things and then they want it and then they find it or like on amazon you just go on there and, and search for the thing you want and they mm -hmm. probably have it yeah um, i think um like one thing companies might do is focus more on being like a high quality company, like yeah. having um, environmental awareness or um, some kind of community, whatever, support. Um, you know, just being like creating a high quality environment for the employees, like all that kind of stuff could be a way to create like a desirable company for someone to shop at because part of what I don't like is feeling manipulated in what I'm being advertised with you know if it's yeah. it's like if it's I don't want to hear the advertisement and the company is not like it doesn't have the value system I support yeah it's like um I was thinking about Google and how they've negotiated with like ad block on like invasive ads and uh, that they allow like Google's pretty good about the ads they do and they try to make, make it like text only ads instead of like this in your face attention grabbing. Um, like pop-up yeah right so um so so like ad block has done some of that like we'll block invasive ads but if you um fit these standards of advertising then it's okay like if it's text right. only or whatever um, well, and then there's that whole other layer, another new layer are these notifications within 
like apps or companies that you actually do like or are right. interacting with. So you finally get to a something that you use and then you've got this notification battle where you're trying to like turn off emails or turn off pop-up things on your phone or whatever. It's like, right. no, stop, don't email me. Like, so there's these layers you have to go through. Yeah. I feel like even with, um, with Headspace, I had ads that are like, when I turned on the notifications, it wasn't just to remind me to meditate. It was other stuff too. I, well. Have you used them? I turned off all the notifications except for, I have a thing that tells me, like reminds me to go to sleep. And then I have some of the like inspirational. Yeah. So that's all I've like, ever oh, had turned on. Okay. Everything else has been turned off. The like mindful minutes or are you just talking outside of? I'm saying that's all I've ever had. I've never had any emails. I've never had any other things yeah. from the, I turned it all off at the beginning. Okay. All right. Yeah. But I think the, like a problem is like, it should be really easy to turn those off and, and it should be an opt in. Right. Like, I just don't understand. I, it, yeah. That feels manipulative. It feels very manipulative that like iOS or Android doesn't have and like turn off all notifications option. You have to go through each one yes. and turn off the notifications. Yes, and I feel that way about Siri. Like I don't want to ask Siri things. Yeah. And I so you have to like go through it and like turn off all that. It's like that that's, I also have the same problem with deactivating an account. Oh yeah. That button should be on the home page. Like right. I should not have to dig for that or call anybody or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes, <laughs> it totally makes sense from their perspective that they want to make it hard to deactivate. That's of why course. it's like four screens deep to go find where to unsubscribe. And they'll use different language. Mm -hmm. They'll like delete account, deactivate, sure. blah, blah, blah. It's like, it should be in bold on the front. Yeah. Like from a user perspective. I don't know, that bothers me. But I will jump through any hoop out of spite to get there. <laughs> well, you, you, yeah, you talked about calling to unsubscribe. I know I had to give up on that project because it totally is not effective. Yep. It literally does not. They don't know what to do. Right. It's weird. So I, I was on this crusade to call people that were sending me mail that I didn't want to receive, including Red Plum, <laughs> who is just very evasive yeah. <laughs> and obscure. And sometimes it can even be hard to find like I look for like company headquarter phone numbers yeah. and that can be hard to find even um, but yeah you you go you jump through the hoops you and if I have to call that makes me the most upset 
I should not have to call a person. Yep. And yeah, it does nothing. And you call and I'm like, I want to be taken off the mailing list. And they're like, what? It's like, take me off the mailing list. And they're like, okay, we, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Because everybody's using these third party, you know, mailer companies. companies. And they, they can receive like copies of those lists, right? Like a, like in a spreadsheet, but for the most part, they're just paying them to do the whole thing, like right. to, to mail everything out and to manage that whole process. So they don't even know they're mailing something to me. So you're like Stan in the Margaritaville episode where you're trying to figure out how to return it. It makes me upset. It's like, okay, so somebody sends me a postcard for a dentist in Seattle. I'm never going to go to. I don't want to go to. Don't send me you call them and they can't take you off the list and i just feel like that's not a good philosophy as a business owner to like not have control of that sure i mean okay yes it's easier that you're like advertising like an email blast via mail but like why it's like talk about it just feels like another waste of time sure well i think it goes to the economics of it like you have to have to pay some support person to take that call and then have a way of removing you from the list i don't know i mean like they're probably going to spend more money on sending you stuff right so then let's just talk about the irony they don't want to take the time yeah to take me off the list yep but it's they they're okay with me wasting time yes managing absolutely. absolutely the bullshit of the emails and the mail yes that is so we're we're upset about the same thing and it could be resolved by you not doing that yep and i like is anyone using those red plum coupons no i guess so otherwise they wouldn't be using them i mean sending them Why are you forcing that down my throat? I don't understand. This is how we get. See, I feel like this should fund the freedom dividend. If you made advertisers pay even like a fraction of minimum wage for how, much, for how invasive they are, then it's like the the game changes and they have to prioritize how they do it a lot right. a lot better right and again like what i what i tend to feel like is effective is like what you're saying you go okay you're looking for a dentist yeah you google it who are dentists in my area and what you look for are reviews and their website and you might ask other people like their opinion whatever like focus on that part yeah like that's really where the advertising should be is in the quality of your service because if someone has like 55 star reviews like those aren't all fake right <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> that means something i think people respond to sure. that like what a what a more efficient way 
for everyone's time. Like, create a good staff environment so that you're creating a better customer service experience. And it makes you want to go there, right? It's just, I don't know. That's like an old school approach, I guess. That's how things were before, right? Sure, sure. Like word of mouth, networking, Yep. doing a good job. Sure. I don't know. Anyway, I, I want to get a, uh, I feel like most people would agree with us, but there might be some advertisers out there who are like, no, no, you got it all wrong. I'd actually be curious. If you're an advertiser, Comment leave, below. leave something in the comments. <laughs> We'd love, like, I'd kind of like to hear a different perspective on it and like how it's valuable, but I feel that right now it's just out of control. And it's just a drain on everything. It is a drain. And I think, um, there has to be like a more, there has to be a better way. And I, I guess a lot of people are just not affected. Like they're, they're like, okay, here's my dumb red plum coupons. I'm just going to recycle them right now. Like maybe it doesn't affect them. But to me, there's like this accumulation, like death by a thousand cuts mm -hmm. when I have to do something like that over and over and over again. And it's completely like totally unproductive. It's like, doesn't, I don't get it. I'm not reading the advertising, but, but they don't care either. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's possible to force them to pay. Like, I don't know what, I, I don't know how much lobbying they do. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I kind of would like to see us band together as a society and be like, that's a bullshit. We can. Yeah. It, totally. So it's just, I don't, I don't know if they just need a leader, if we need a leader to do it, but hey. I think you're right, though. Like, I, I kind of feel like Andrew Yang's freedom <laughs> dividend is, yeah. that's part of what that pays for, is like, being a citizen, you're in this culture and it's just part of your compensation. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, he's, you can look at it in dollar terms of like, this is just negatively impacting people, put some value on their time. Holy crap, advertisements take up so much of your time. You, you think, oh, it's not that much, but you also would be incredulous if you heard that the average person spends three hours on their phone every day. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot. Like, I think if you, the amount of time that people waste with having, with putting up with ads is probably tenfold of sure. what advertisers spend on it. Well, and they're not really giving you a quality option and there's it's there's this mind game like like i've heard where um like airline points is kind yeah. of a bs thing 
it doesn't it's not really there are these like fake value system point system reward systems that are supposed to be enticing and they make sense like theoretically or they make sense the way they talk about them but they're really not giving you a benefit it's just like uh, it's like to lure you well yeah and it costs time and effort to make those valuable um even when I've done it, like gotten the free points from a credit card or something, it's like a pain to go through their system. They make it enough of a time sink that like you're kind of incentivized to not use it. Yeah. Even I've, I, my understanding is that even gift cards, like mm-hmm. there's like a certain percentage of people that never use them. Sure. And yeah. It's like 25% it, or something yeah. in that neighborhood. So all of that sort of gimmicky, whatever. It just it feels like more wasting time it's just like busy work yep. that makes you engaged with the company longer right. harder to get out whatever um yeah so all of that feels like a problem yeah that's a good topic though um and I think it's obviously relevant to what we're actually doing, right? Like via this podcast. And there, like, there's the other element where, like, YouTube is like demonetizing people that break certain rules, or but so so then there's that whole thing too, where there's it's kind of used as a punishment, right? Um, Well, should we go to the next thing? Sure. Do we need more options? Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Which one? Did you like my question about Jesus? Yeah, I did. So, this was um, a thought that came to me during a time when I was letting my mind roam. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Um. So I had this thought, like, who did people treat like Jesus before Jesus? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> give us some clarity here. What do you mean treat people like Jesus? Okay. So I feel like this is a little tongue in cheek. I'm I'm not trying to be tongue in cheek. It's just I haven't expanded the thought fully. But obviously Jesus has had an enormous global impact yeah. whether we want to say that um, like Jesus was just a human maybe like spiritual or mystic person um, that actually lived and you know whatever yeah. or if um, Jesus is like son of God died on the cross like more Bible literalism okay I don't I'm not arguing about that but I think like we can't deny that there has been an obsession like the the worshiping the referencing the you know revolving people revolving their lives exclusively around Jesus and of course the greater like Christian value system and lifestyle. So 
I think it's interesting that there is a person that we have given such like that's a tremendous amount of impact like thousands of years yeah of influence and um i mean i feel even an atheist i feel like can acknowledge that but um what like what were people that are so attached to jesus now like what were those people attached to or where was that manifesting itself before jesus existed yeah um I get it. Um, I, I you think you just told me to explain it. I, well, <laughs> I get what you're saying now. Okay. Um, so I think you could argue, yeah, it was manifesting itself in other ways, or it was manifesting itself with another person. It's like I think there's the the type of people like the bandwagon on like flavor of the month religions or something like that where it's like oh yeah this is the cool thing it's what the celebrities in Hollywood are uh, saying is great I'm gonna look into it oh I think it's great Um, so I think there's gonna always be like some percentage of people that are bandwagoning Um, I don't know about it's kind of hard to find a lot of examples of someone with as much impact as Jesus. Um, but anyway, I did look into that specific question and okay. did some Google searching and found an article um, okay. that had like 10 historical figures. Um, should we bring that up or? No, sure. Um, Jacob, could you click on the link I have on this? Uh, And Christ-like figures who predate Jesus. Uh, a lot of these, it was, uh, it was, some of the same kind of distinctive features, sure. like virgin birth. Um, let's see, it gives Buddha's number ten. So Buddha is one. Yep. That makes sense. I think he was He's pretty influential. There's yeah. a you know, one of the top five religions. Is... Right. And of course, there's still a lot of Buddhist influence in the world today. Sure. But I would argue that like Christianity feels like people are sort of more strongly attached. Yep. Um, but that may be the philosophy. Like, Buddha didn't want people to be attached to him. Like, sure. the non-attachment is like the it's thing. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if if that's just part of it. Sure. Um. um see, Krishna was the next one. Okay.
And maybe I have like a biased feeling about it because I'm in like a Christian dominated culture. Sure. Um, okay, so we have Christian now. Uh, can we keep going? Look at all these ads. <laughs> Odysseus. Okay, interesting. Um, Romulus. Wait, stay on Odysseus. Okay, Romulus. Dionysus. I didn't realize these were all like virgin births from the yeah. gods. Okay. There's a Toyota if you want it. Hercules. <laughs> okay. Is that different than spelled Heracles? Oh, is, is that, it Her? Oh, sorry. Is that the same? Cool. I think, but it's saying like son of Zeus. Are they related? Hercules and Heracles. Oh, okay. I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh, listen to that like London sounding. Yeah. Or, or, uh, it's like so dissonant. Who's like Okay. I don't know who that is. Zoroaster. Is that like a Middle Eastern? So there's this list of people that sort of have similar like Jesus storylines. Right. They're, there's a divine maybe parent or quality yep. about them. There's several virgin births, which is really interesting. And look at all these December birthdays. Yep. Like Christ all... Christmas time sort of sure. vibes. Oh, and of course, like Egyptian. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, these are all fairly well-known people, or whatever, but I still don't see the, like, same impact over time. I think it's our culture. Yeah. It's, I mean, you just don't, Well, because Jesus is so prevalent. But I also feel like people are really aggressively doing mission work. Yeah, globally well, I, about I, Jesus. I think that's something that is more distinguishing of like Christianity versus Buddhism. It's like how yeah. evangelical Christianity is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. It just seems like a really big. So is <laughs> is Christianity just like religious advertising that we just talked about we hated just that evangelizing that, i found that pretty off-putting about it 
growing up, for sure. Because it's a little car salesman-y. Yes. Vibes. Um, except, like, I don't think that people that are Christian and trying to, um, like, spread the word of God are, they don't feel like they're being manipulative. Like, they, they think they're, like, trying to help you. Sure. Because they're trying to tell you something. And it's, it's like what you were saying before about advertising, like, pop-up stuff. Like well, Right. It's kind of like what one side thinks of as the trade-off. It's like we're arriving at different calculations. Oh, you think this is going to have a great impact on my life? Like, you may need this. Yeah. Yeah. So they might say, oh, this is worth, like, back to advertising anyway. Oh, this is worth $1,000. And then you're like. Not that's like worth nothing to me. You're just wasting my time. Right. And I also get the sense that well, my experience with like a lot of evangelical groups is they're just like anybody is fair game. Like they'll they'll talk to anybody. Like it's a blanket kind of it's not targeted mm-hmm. necessarily, right? Right. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a numbers game, I guess, is part of what's happening in advertising. And, uh, I mean, I don't know, like, it's really similar the more I think about it. Sure. Except the motivation maybe is different. Like, yeah, I think. Um, there's definitely more like I think for a lot of it it's like an authentic I think this is here to help you I think this could help you and it's, it's kind of a word of mouth component to it where you're like oh well here's this product I think it'll help you so people are basically giving their like five star review yeah they're right like this is amazing Sure. I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like, well, if religion is helping people, fine. You know, like sure. that's fine. What, like, not discussing whether it feels like real or not, whatever that means. So, there's a part of me that feels that way, but there's another part of me that's like, just feels so like it shuts down dialogue. I think. You know, if you're if if you're playing the conversation like the answer to all the questions is like, well, God knows whatever, or this is right. Bible reference, whatever. You, right. I just feel like you can't really have like a discussion without removing that part. Right. It depends on, I guess, how at at some point. There's the God becomes the explanation yes. to to things. It's like the the God of the gaps. Yes, um, which I think is the is an appealing component because sure. you can like make sense of whatever you want to make sense of. Right, but it's just at some point you're just like I'm bored. Like, 
even even if like you completely don't have any religion or like the physical world's all there is um there gets to be a point where it's like i just don't care anymore that's like okay i'll let someone else worry about that or it's mm. like the look the mental load to try and figure something out because there we don't have the answers to everything do we have the answers to anything have some we have well-defined math. rule we have math, we have math. <laughs> if you if you create the set of rules then you can like have these other things happen that follow a set of logic right i guess i'm thinking of the flat earthers um oh, it's again. like i thought that was a thing we could agree on like some of these like basic physics math things mm-hmm. but they're like no it's not and then it's like well all right i guess <laughs> we're gonna start at zero <laughs> um um was there anything else you wanted to talk about jesus or just in general and just, just in general i think we're gonna wrap up soon yeah we're getting the signal um no i think um i think i'm interested to talk more about the digital minimalism and um one thing Another thing that we can talk about as a counter to that is something we mentioned before, which is um, this kind of online peer pressure, aggression, shaming stuff that's happening. So there's like the shutdown culture where people Mm -hmm. want to totally shut you down if you've made a mistake. Right. Um, There's like things like revenge porn and just like general kind of online bullying shaming so that's sort of the other side of like that's like digital maxim maximalism max (laughs) yeah maximalism um and i think that i i like the idea of continuing to talk about that stuff because um i think it's definitely relevant and affecting people and it could affect us. Like we could be caught up in a scandal someday. You never know. Yep. People might start listening. <laughs> People that don't know us necessarily. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to see that, <laughs> hit subscribe and leave a comment below. But only leave nice comments. Um, but we have a strategy for people that are going to be mean. Remember we, we had something we were going to. I don't remember what our strategy is. <laughs> we were going to just ask people to subscribe. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> that's like when you were cutting off communication with people. But before you did, you were like, <laughs> vote Andrew King. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you go on a date and, it, and you're... You don't. You're not interested in the person again. You could at least plug Andrew Yang. Yeah, it's like who doesn't want a thousand dollars a month? That's a yeah. good use of your time. You're just campaigning, right? Via dates. Well, it gets <laughs> into the advertising thing again. Yeah. And there also is like a, a like what isn't advertising? Like we're kind of advertising ourselves. Sure. 
everything you do is like sort of a construction of your yeah brand. we can get into that i feel like that with dating and like approaching people sure. so and we can talk about that we can talk about more digital minimalism we can talk about how we're branding ourselves yep and we could talk about the consequences of like this online internet culture yeah cool well thanks, thanks for watching thanks. and listening and subscribing and unsubscribing and, and comments and leave a comment and we'll eventually have merch because people oh, yeah. love merch if you want it but we won't advertise the merch we'll figure it out don't worry about it yeah I'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there we have a lot of bridges alright bye bye see you later later headsets off <laughs>